0: If you're enjoying this Crush Step One podcast, you can now get the content along with the content of the Med Prep to Go Step One Questions podcast ad free in one bundle. Just go to medpreptogo.com and find our new subscription podcast called the Med Prep to Go Step One Bundle. I'm Ted O'Connell, one of the authors of Crush Step 1, the ultimate USMLE Step 1 review, along with my co-authors, Ryan Pedigo and Thomas Blair. I am also the chief content officer for Inside the Boards. This is a Crush Step 1 podcast based on the second edition of our best-selling book. The goal is to provide you high-yield and high-quality audio content of the book to help you study on the go and reclaim some of the time in your day.
1: This is Nick Nissen, narrating part 3 of the Hematology Oncology chapter. Normocytic Anemias Normocytic anemias, within MCV between 80 and 100, are the most commonly encountered type of anemia because in the early stages, almost all anemias are normocytic. Normocytic anemias are the most challenging to diagnose and may reflect an underlying systemic illness or a complex combination of anemias, e.g. a combined folate and iron deficiency. When categorizing normocytic anemias, it is important to determine the response of the bone marrow. These anemias are subdivided into those that have an inappropriate corrected reticulocyte count, less than 3%, and those with an appropriate corrected reticulocyte count. The most common type of normocytic anemia is anemia of chronic disease. ACD starts off as a normocytic anemia and then develops into a microcytic anemia if the underlying chronic disease persists untreated. Normocytic anemias with a corrected reticulocyte count lower than 3% include early ACD or IDA, acute blood loss, aplastic anemia, chronic kidney disease, and malignancy. The normocytic anemias with a corrected reticulocyte count more than 3% Encompass all the clinically important intrinsic or extrinsic hemolytic anemias, including sickle cell disease, glucose 6-phosphate dehydrogenase or G6PD deficiency, pyruvate kinase or PK deficiency, hereditary spherocytosis, hereditary elliptocytosis, proximal nocturnal hemoglobinuria or PNH, HBC disease, immune hemolytic anemias and microangiopathic and macroangiopathic hemolytic anemias. Hemolytic anemia is defined by the premature destruction of circulating RBCs from numerous inherited or acquired conditions. Causes of hemolysis are traditionally categorized by whether the abnormality is intrinsic or extrinsic to the RBC intracorpuscular versus extracorpuscular defects, and whether the hemolysis occurs in the vasculature or in the reticuloendothelial macrophages of the liver and spleen, intravascular versus extravascular hemolysis. As a general rule, most inherited conditions leading to hemolytic anemia are due to intrinsic RBC defects, and most immune hemolytic anemias are extravascular. Intrinsic or intracorpuscular causes of hemolytic anemia include issues with RBC itself, such as the following. 1. Defects in hemoglobin structure, function, and production, like sickle cell disease, HBC disease, and thalassemia. 2. Defects in red cell metabolism, as in G6PD or PK deficiency. Or 3. Defects in RBC cell membrane production, such as hereditary spherocytosis predatory elliptocytosis, and paroxysmal nocturnal hemoglobinuria. Extrinsic or extracorpuscular defects are those in which external factors in developmentally normal RBCs lead to premature loss of membrane or membrane structural damage. In these cases, RBCs are destroyed as a result of mechanical, immunologic, infectious, metabolic, or oxidant damage, e.g. autoimmune hemolytic anemia or microangiopathic slash macroangiopathic anemia. Intravascular hemolysis refers to RBC breakdown that occurs primarily within the blood vessels. This happens when there is a significant structural damage to RBC membrane, e.g. mechanical shearing from prosthetic valve or complement-induced lysis, or when the reticular endothelial system is overwhelmed. The hallmark of intravascular hemolysis is the spilling of RBC contents into the bloodstream, namely the release of free hemoglobin and lactate dehydrogenase, or LGH. Free hemoglobin then binds to haptoglobin, and hemoglobin-haptoglobin complex is rapidly removed by the liver, causing a drop in plasma levels of haptoglobin. When intravascular hemolysis is severe, circulating haptoglobin is unable to bind all the free hemoglobin, and patients develop dark urine from the spilling of free hemoglobin into the urine, known as hemoglobinuria. Therefore, intravascular hemolysis is characterized by high LDH and low haptoglobin levels. Extravascular hemolysis reverses RBC breakdown that occurs primarily by the macrophages of the reticuloendothelial system in the liver, spleen, lymph nodes, and bone marrow. In this setting, RBCs are broken down in a largely contained system, thereby avoiding direct release of RBC contents into the bloodstream. Because there are no free hemoglobin floating around in the circulation, haptoglobin levels will not drop and free hemoglobin does not spill into urine, i.e. there's no hemoglobin area. Severely damaged RBCs that enter the reticuloendothelial system are phagocytosed in their entirety and destroyed within phagosomes of macrophages. Extravascular digestion of RBCs generally occurs in the liver, but in certain circumstances it occurs primarily in the reticuloendothelial system of other organs. For example, the spleen primarily destroys poorly deformable RBCs. Such as those seen in sickle cell disease and hereditary spherocytosis by trapping them in the cords of bilroth. Normocytic anemias with corrected reticulocyte count less than 3%. Acute blood loss. Acute blood loss occurs in two forms internal and external bleeding. Internal bleeding can result from blunt trauma, e.g., ruptured spleen, or non traumatic aneurysm rupture, e.g., stroke, abdominal aortic aneurysm rupture, intestinal bleeding. External bleeding can result from penetrating injury, such as a gunshot wound, or compound bone fractures. Acute blood loss is the most common cause of hypovolemic shock. Patients usually present with sudden signs of anemia, weakness, fatigue, pallor, dyspnea, and have a history of trauma or bleeding disorders. Laboratory findings in acute blood loss include hemoglobin and hematocrit that are initially normal but decrease as interstitial fluid shifts into the vascular compartment, resulting in hemodilution, the MCV is normal. Reticulocytes will not be increased more than 3% until one week after the precipitating event. Note that in acute blood loss, hemoglobin and hematocrit are initially normal. After fluid shift, both will decrease. The treatment is intravenous fluid replacement, blood transfusion, depending on the severity, and correcting the cause of the hemorrhage. Aplastic anemia. Aplastic anemia, or AA, is a disorder in which the bone marrow does not produce the appropriate amount of new cells to replenish blood cell turnover, is characterized by pancytopenia, or decreased amounts of all three bloodlines, RBCs, WBCs, and platelets, and decreased count, reticulocytopenia. Aplastic anemia has many causes and generally results from inhibition, destruction, or a defect in multipotent myeloid stem cells. Common causes include the following. Idiopathic, which is most common and confers a poor prognosis. Normally, the development of myeloid stem cells is suppressed by the immune system. Derangements in the regulation of the immune system, like those seen in autoimmune disorders, are believed to contribute to some idiopathic forms of AA. Drugs, most common known cause, and has a better prognosis. Chloramphenicol, alkylating agents, antimalarials, and sulfonamides are some common known causes. Exposure to chemical agents, these include benzene and DDT or insecticide. Infection, usually viral, including parvovirus B19, Epstein-Barr virus or EBV, HIV and hepatitis C, and whole-body ionizing radiation. The presentation is often gradual and depends on which blood cell line becomes critically deficient first. Anemia to decrease RBCs lead to fatigue, malaise, and pallor. Thrombocytopenia, decreased platelets lead to petechiae, pinpoint red or purple spots on the skin, purpura or non-blanching purple spots bigger than petechiae, and mucosal bleeding and neutropenia, which is decreased neutrophils, which leads to infections. Laboratory findings include decreased RBC, WBC, and platelet count, and hypocellular bone marrow and fatty infiltration on bone marrow biopsy. Treatment includes a discontinuation of the offending agent, antibiotics if infection is present, RBC transfusion if severe anemia, platelet transfusion if severe thrombocytopenia, immunosuppressive therapy with antithymocyte globulin, or ATG, or cyclosporine, granulocyte colony-stimulating factor, or GCSF, and granulocyte macrophage colony-stimulating factor, or GMCSF, or allergenic hematopoietic stem cell transplantation, bone marrow transplant with cells from another individual. So to summarize, aplastic anemia has decreased RBCs, decreased WBCs, and decreased platelets, and there is a hypocellular bone marrow with fatty infiltration. Next is chronic kidney disease. People with CKD experience a normalcytic anemia caused by decreased production of erythropoietin or EPO by the failing kidneys. This EPO deficiency leads to decreased hematopoiesis. Laboratory findings include decreased hemoglobin hematocrit, normal MCV, birth cells on peripheral smear, thrombocytopenia, the buildup of toxic metabolites caused by kidney failure results in functional platelet defect, and prolonged bleeding time caused by a reversible platelet aggregation defect, which is reversible with dialysis. Next is malignancy. Malignancy most commonly leads to ACD, Malignancy-related anemia is classified into three main categories RBC losses from the body, e.g., intestinal blood loss and colon cancer, increased RBC destruction, e.g., immune hemolytic anemia seen in chronic lymphocytic leukemia, decreased red blood cell production, e.g., cancer metastasis to the bone marrow, myelophysic anemia refers to the displacement of normal marrow cells by metastatic cancer cells. Normocytic anemias with corrected reticulocyte count more than 3%. These include sickle cell anemia. Sickle cell disease is an autosomal recessive disorder that leads to a structural or qualitative abnormality of hemoglobin and is associated with hemolysis. It's common in African and African-American populations. A point mutation in the beta-globin gene substitutes a valine for glutamic acid at position 6, GLU6-VAL and leads to the production of abnormal hemoglobin S. The deoxygenated version of hemoglobin S can reversibly polymerize with other hemoglobin S molecules. The higher concentration of deoxygenated hemoglobin S in the RBCs results in a greater rate of polymerization. The polymerization of hemoglobin S inside RBCs leads to a sickle-shaped cell, which is subject to destruction by the spleen the sickling also increases the blood's viscosity, leading to microvascular occlusion. Sickle cell disorders appear in different forms, each with a differing severity of anemia. Sickle cell trait. These patients are heterozygous, having one copy of the hemoglobin A and hemoglobin S allele. Genotype is hemoglobin S A. The concentration of deoxygenated hemoglobin S in these patients is approximately 40%, of total hemoglobin and rarely reaches the threshold concentration necessary to initiate pathologic polymerization of hemoglobin S inside RBCs. Instead, these patients benefit from the protective effects against P. falciparum malaria that result from this mutation. Laboratory findings include demonstrating that these patients are not anemic, so hemoglobin, hematocrit, and MCV are all normal. A peripheral smear is also normal. Hemoglobin electrophoresis findings include the following. The presence of hemoglobin S, decreased hemoglobin A levels, and hemoglobin F and hemoglobin A2 levels that do not change. Sickle cell disease. These patients are homozygous, having two copies of hemoglobin S allele. The genotype is HBSS. The deoxygenated hemoglobin S concentration in these patients can rise above the threshold for pathologic polymerization of HBS and results in sickling of RBCs. This polymerization mostly occurs in the microvascular beds, in which acidosis and hypoxia cause hemoglobin to release bound oxygen, increasing the concentration of deoxygenated hemoglobin S in RBCs. This polymerization is reversible once RBCs are in an environment with higher oxygen levels, i.e. arteries. Repeated cycles of polymerization and depolymerization result in accumulation of damage to the RBC membrane, which eventually becomes irreversible. The damage to the RBC membrane impairs sodium, potassium, and water homeostasis, leading to cellular dehydration and increasing sickling of RBCs. The signs and symptoms of sickle cell disease include periodic episodes of acute vascular occlusion, called pain crises, beginning at age 1 or 2 years, vascular occlusion that can lead to organ dysfunction or failure, causing bone infarcts, avascular necrosis, acute chest syndrome, which is chest pain, shortness of breath, and pulmonary infiltrates on chest radiograph, chronic leg ulcers, and osteomyelitis from salmonella, and stroke. Dactylitis, or hand-foot syndrome, where swelling of hands and feet can be seen in infants. Recurrent splenic infarction and autosplenectomy occur at a young age. The presence of howl jolly bodies on a peripheral smear signifies impaired or absent splenic function. Loss of splenic function makes patients increasingly susceptible to infection by encapsulated bacteria and daily antibiotic prophylaxis is required for the treatment of children. Aplastic crisis can occur in patients with parvovirus B19. Sequestration crisis results when there is entrapment of sickled RBCs in the spleen resulting in rapid splenomegaly. And finally, renal papillary necrosis can occur when microinfarcts of the kidney result in microhematuria. Laboratory findings include decreased hemoglobin hematocrit, normal MCV, and increased reticulocyte count, crescent-shaped RBCs, target cells, and Howell jolly bodies on peripheral smear, and sickle cell screen with sodium metabisulfite, which induces the sickling of cells. Hemoglobin electrophoresis results as follows. There's an absence of hemoglobin A, increased levels of hemoglobin S, and increased hemoglobin F levels. Plain radiographs of the skull may show a crew-cut appearance, which is caused by the extramedullary hematopoiesis, as is also seen in thalassemias. Figure 11.16 demonstrates the crew-cut appearance of a skull radiograph, which is caused by extramedullary hematopoiesis in sickle cell disease and in thalassemias. Factors that increase hemoglobin S polymerization in sickling include any factor that results in the deoxygenation of hemoglobin. Acidosis results in a right shift of the oxygen binding curve and increased release of oxygen from hemoglobin. Hypoxemia is defined by decreased levels of arterial oxygen level. This results in less oxygen available to bind to hemoglobin. Volume depletion, or dehydrated RBCs, increases the concentration of a deoxygenated hemoglobin S inside the RBCs and infection can lead to tissue hypoxemia and acidosis. Factors that prevent or reverse sickling and treatments. Avoidance of hypoxia and dehydration can prevent sickling. Increased levels of hemoglobin F inhibit hemoglobin S polymerization and prevent sickling. Hydroxyurea has been shown to increase hemoglobin F levels and is used in patients with frequent sickle cell crises. Newborns are often asymptomatic because of the high levels of hemoglobin F. Morphine can provide pain relief. Exchange transfusion can be used to treat serious forms of vascular occlusion, EDG, acute chest syndrome, stroke, and priapism. Allogenic stem cell transplantation is curative in patients with severe clinical disease. All patients with sickle cell disease must be up to date on their immunizations, including pneumococcal, meningococcal vaccine. Hemophilus influenza type B vaccine, hepatitis B, and influenza vaccines. Patients with sickle cell disease should receive folic acid supplementation. G6PD deficiency. G6PD, an enzyme that protects RBCs from oxidant stress, has decreased activity in people with this disorder, leading to increased hemolysis in situations of stress. This enzyme deficiency leads to decreased synthesis of NADPH, a reduced form of nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide phosphate, and glutathione antioxidants from the pentose phosphate pathway. Normally, NADPH helps restore glutathione stores so that glutathione can then reduce reactive oxygen species like H2O2 to less harmful compounds like h 20 Hemolysis is mostly intravascular, but some extravascular hemolysis is also seen. Increased stress levels to the oxidation of hemoglobin inside RBCs and hemoglobin molecules precipitate to form Heinz bodies. Intravascular hemolysis results because Heinz bodies damage the RBC membrane and make RBCs more susceptible to lysis in the circulation. RBCs that do not lyse well in circulation are removed by the spleen, leading to extravascular hemolysis. G6PD deficiency is an X-linked recessive disorder common in Black, Middle Eastern, and Mediterranean populations. It is thought to be protective against P. falciparum malaria. Hemolysis often results from exposure to oxidative stress, such as the following. 1. Infection most common, typically acute viral or bacterial infections. Two, drugs, sulfonamides like trimethoprim, sulfamethoxazole, dapsone, primaquine, chloroquine, and nitrofurantoin. Third, acidosis, e.g. diabetic ketoacidosis or DKA. And fourth, fava beans. Historically, this condition was called favism. Signs and symptoms include that most patients are asymptomatic. There's a history of neonatal jaundice and colathiasis, Episodic signs of anemia, possibly associated with jaundice and splenomegaly. Laboratory findings include decreased hemoglobin, hematocrit, normal MCV, Heinz bodies and/or bite cells on peripheral smear. Be sure to measure G6PD enzyme activity after a hemolytic attack. The value will be decreased will be falsely elevated or normal in times of hemolysis. To summarize G6PD deficiency, increased stress leads to oxidation of hemoglobin inside RBCs, which leads to hemoglobin molecules precipitated to form Heinz bodies. Figure eleven point seventeen demonstrates oxidant stress and G6PD. Figure eleven point eighteen demonstrates RBCs with denatured globin proteins, known as Heinz bodies, demonstrated by supervital staining. The macrophages will eliminate these inclusions, creating bite cells. Pyruvate kinase deficiency. PK deficiency is an autosomal recessive disorder that causes chronic lack of ATP in RBCs. PK is an enzyme in the glycolytic pathway that helps synthesize ATP. Because RBCs can only produce ATP via glycolysis. They're dependent on the proper function of the PK enzyme for energy. The lack of ATP results in accelerated RBC membrane damage and dehydration. It is characterized by chronic extravascular hemolysis and poikilocytosis, RBCs of abnormal shape, and cellular dehydration on blood smears. Patients may present with hemolytic anemia with jaundice since birth. Laboratory findings include hemoglobin and hematocrit, which are decreased. The MCV is normal. Echinocytes are present on peripheral smear, and be sure to measure direct PK enzyme activity to be able to diagnose. Figure 11.19 demonstrates the spiked thorny projections of echinocytes. The treatment actually is that most patients do not require treatment. Splenectomy may be beneficial in patients with severe disease. Hereditary spherocytosis, or HS, is an autosomal dominant hemolytic anemia that results from an abnormality in the RBC membrane. It is characterized by defects in the membrane proteins, such as ankyrin, which is the most common, spectrin, or band 3. RBCs lose their characteristic biconcave shape and instead have a spherical appearance. The spherical shape is less versatile and deformable in circulation, resulting in RBCs becoming trapped and removed in the spleen given the inheritance pattern, obtaining a family history aids in the diagnosis. Signs and symptoms include patients that can be asymptomatic until adulthood, anemia, increased unconjugated bilirubin, jaundice, increased incidence of cholelithiasis, pigment gallstones. Laboratory findings will demonstrate a hemoglobin and hematocrit that are decreased. MCV is normal. MCHC is increased, which is characteristic of this disease on step one. Osmotic fragility tests will show increased lysis of RBCs in hypotonic solution. Spherocytes are present on peripheral smear. Splenectomy for treatment. Decreases entrapment and destruction of spherocytes in the spleen. Is curative but only indicated for patients with severe disease given the increased risk of infection. Blood transfusion is used in patients with severe disease. And patients must be on folate and iron supplementation given the chronic hemolytic state. Hereditary elliptocytosis, or HE. HE is an autosomal dominant disorder that results from defects in its membrane protein spectrum, most commonly in band 4.1. Signs and symptoms are similar to HS, but generally milder, with most patients having no anemia. Peripheral blood smear will show elliptocytes. Hemolysis is caused by RBC destruction in the spleen, which will result in splenomegaly. Splenomegaly is curative in symptomatic patients. Figure 11.20 demonstrates spherocytes on peripheral smear. Paroxysmal nocturnal hemoglobinuria, or PNH, results from a rare acquired intrinsic defect in the RBC cell membrane that increases susceptibility of RBCs to complement mediated hemolysis. Normal RBCs have glycosyl phosphatidyl inositol, or GPI linkage, or decay accelerating factor, DAF, proteins on their cell membrane, which act to protect the cell from destruction by the complement system. DAF helps disrupt formation of the membrane attack complex and prevents C9 from binding to the RBCs. Without these protective proteins on the cell surface, RBCs become easy targets for destruction by the complement system and intravascular hemolysis ensues. Complement attachment to RBCs is potentiated in acidotic situations. Therefore, there's increased hemolysis at night when respiratory acidosis ensues because of the physiologic decrease in respiratory rate while sleeping. PNH usually occurs in the second decade of life, and the incidence increases with age. Platelets and granulocytes can also be affected by this disease. Patients with this disease are at increased risk. Of developing aplastic anemia and acute leukemia. Signs and symptoms include hemoglobinuria or red urine on awakening and clinical and laboratory findings include a triad of Coombs negative hemolytic anemia with pancytopenia and venous thrombosis, usually normal MCV but can be microcytic or low MCV because of long-standing loss of iron in the urine via loss of hemoglobin and hemosiderin in the urine. There'd be an iron deficiency caused by hemoglobinuria and hemocytorinuria, increased incidence of venous thrombosis with the intravascular destruction of platelets resulting in a release of their prothrombotic intracellular granules into the circulation. There'd be a decreased serum haptoglobin caused by intravascular hemolysis and a low leukocyte alkaline phosphatase or LAP score. The treatment is to correct the anemia and prevent thrombosis. Eculizumab is a monoclonal antibody that acts as a terminal complement inhibitor. Hemoglobin C or HBC disease. Hemoglobin C disease results from an autosomal recessive mutation in the beta-globin chain leading to extravascular hemolysis. An abnormal hemoglobin structure is formed by the substitution of glutamic acid with lysine at position 6 of the beta-globin chain sickle cell is a glutamic acid to valine substitution at the same position. The hemoglobin in hemoglobin C is less soluble than hemoglobin A and forms hexagonal crystals inside RBCs. Hemoglobin C does not polymerize as readily as hemoglobin S, which is seen in sickle cell disease, and will produce less sickling of RBCs. The hemoglobin C mutation causes the RBC to lose plasticity thereby leading to mild extravascular hemolytic anemia in homozygotes that have hemoglobin CC. Patients with sickle cell hemoglobin C or HBSC have the gene for hemoglobin S inherited from one parent and the gene for hemoglobin C from the other parent. Hemoglobin SC patients will have only a few sickle cells and thereby have milder disease than hemoglobin SS patients. Signs and symptoms. Most people have no symptoms. Clinical and laboratory findings. Mild extravascular hemolysis in homozygotes, or HBCC. People with hemoglobin C trait, or hemoglobin AC, are phenotypically normal. Peripheral smear and hemoglobin C crystals are seen in RBCs, and we'll also see target cells. There's mild splenomegaly and mild anemia. The treatment, usually no treatment is needed, but patients may supplement with folate to improve the anemia. Immune hemolytic anemias. Immune hemolytic anemias, or IHAs, are diseases that develop from antibody or complement binding to antigens on the RBC membrane, leading to hemolysis. IHAs are classified into three groups, autoimmune hemolytic anemia, or AIHA, alloimmune hemolytic anemia and drug-induced immune-mediated hemolytic anemia. AIHA results from antibodies directed to an individual's own RBCs, causing them to lice. These are categorized into warm antibody-type AIHA and cold antibody-type AIHA. Almost half of the primary causes of AIHAs are idiopathic. Secondary AIHA can result from underlying diseases or drugs. The presence of antibodies makes these anemias Coombs test positive. Warm antibody type AIHA is the most common type of AIHA at 70% and results from the binding of IgG to the RBC membrane. This leads to macrophage destruction of RBCs in the spleen, which is extravascular destruction, which is more common or may result in part of the RBC membrane being removed, leading to hemolysis in the circulation, which is intravascular destruction. The partial removal of the membrane causes RBCs to lose their biconcave form and develop into spherocytes. Primary causes of warm type AIHA are mostly idiopathic. Secondary causes of warm type AIHA are as follows. 1. Lymphoproliferative disorders, so chronic lymphocytic leukemia or non-Hodgkin lymphoma, two, connective tissue disorders, so systemic lupus erythematosus, which is the most common cause, or rheumatoid arthritis, and there are three, medications, methyl dopa, penicillin, cephalosporins, and quinidine. The signs and symptoms. This may present with jaundice, cholelithiasis, splenomegaly, or general signs of anemia. The patient may be asymptomatic if hemolysis is well compensated. Also, you may see signs of underlying autoimmune disorder, e.g. rash, fever, lymphadenopathy, or renal failure. The laboratory findings. There is decreased hemoglobin in hematocrit, normal or sometimes high MCV. spherocytes on peripheral blood smear may be visualized. Elevated unconjugated bilirubin, which is from extravascular hemolysis, there's decreased haptoglobin, increased urine hemoglobin levels from intravascular hemolysis. There's positive direct antihuman globulin test, DAT, or direct Coombs test. The direct Coombs test is when anti-IG antibody is added to the patient's blood, leading to agglutination of RBCs that already have IgG bound to them. The treatments. Folic acid supplementation is given because of the high RBC turnover treat the underlying cause when secondary. When AIHA is not controlled by treating the underlying cause or treating idiopathic warm-type AIHA, the following may be used. 1. Corticosteroids, which is the main treatment. 2. RBC transfusion in severe disease. 3. Splenectomy, if the patient fails to respond to steroids. and 4. Intravenous immunoglobulin, or IVIG. To summarize, Warm antibody type has IgG, in comparison, cold antibody type has IgM. The most common cold antibody type AIHA is cold agglutinin disease, accounting for almost 15% of all AIHA. It is a disorder caused by IgM autoantibodies against RBC that preferentially bind RBCs at low body temperatures. On binding the RBC, the IgM autoantibody will initiate the complement cascade, leading to C3B complement binding the RBC membrane. Once the C3B complement protein is bound to RBC in the circulation, the membrane attack complex is formed, resulting in RBC membrane instability and intravascular hemolysis, which is most common. If RBCs reach the spleen and have IgM bound to them, but have not activated the membrane attack complex, they will be removed by splenic macrophages which is extravascular hemolysis, which is less common. Cold antibody type AIHA occurs in chronic and acute forms. The primary causes of cold type AIHA are mostly idiopathic. Second causes of warm type AIHA are as follows. The chronic form, most common, is usually seen in older patients with chronic lymphocytic leukemia, lymphoma, and Waldenstrom macroglobulinemia is associated with Raynaud phenomenon, or cold-induced acrocyanosis, blue extremities. The acute form, which is less common and self-limited, is usually seen in younger patients and is a rare complication of mycoplasma pneumoniae and Epstein-Barr virus infections. Signs and symptoms. Anemia-related symptoms are usually mild. Jaundice and splenomegaly can occur. The major symptom is cold-induced acrocyanosis in which peripheral areas of the body turn blue, like fingertips, earlobes, and the nose. Laboratory findings. Decreased hemoglobin and hematocrit with a normal MCV. There will be RBC agglutination on peripheral blood smear. Treatment. Treat the underlying disease. Acute forms are self-limited. Supportive measures only are needed. Avoid cold exposure. And splenectomy, because mostly intravascular hemolysis is occurring, and steroids are rarely helpful. Be aware that certain drugs can result in immune-mediated HA, drug-induced HA, most commonly by the haptin mechanism. The haptin is a small molecule that, when combined with a larger molecule, can elicit the production of an antibody against it. The prototypical drug for this is penicillin. Penicillin will bind to a protein on the RBC surface leading to the production of antibodies against the penicillin RBC compound. This results in hemolysis. Figure 11.21 demonstrates haptin formation and the mechanism for drug-induced hemolytic anemia. Methyldopa and quinidine are other medications associated with drug-induced IHA, although they result in hemolysis via a different mechanism than the one described. Microangiopathic and macroangiopathic hemolytic anemias. Micro and macroangiopathic hemolytic anemias result from mechanical or sheer stress destroying the RBC membrane, leading to hemolysis. Microangiopathic hemolytic anemias, or MAHA, is caused by factors in the small blood vessels that cause them to narrow more than usual. MAHA is usually seen in disseminated intravascular coagulation, or DIC, thrombotic thrombocytopenic purpura, or TTP, hemolytic uremic syndrome, or HUS, or other disorders that cause increased coagulation leading to the narrowing of small blood vessels. Macroangiopathic hemolytic anemia results from sheer stress caused by turbulent flow or occurs in patients with stenosis or prosthetic heart valves. General signs and symptoms of anemia will be seen. The peripheral blood smear will show schistocytes, or fragmented pieces of RBCs. Figure 11.22 demonstrates schistocytes, which are fragmented RBCs as a result of sheer stress.
0: With that, we wrap up today's episode of the Crush Step 1 podcast. A big thank you to Elsevier Incorporated, the publishing company behind Crush Step One, as well as all of my other books, for allowing us to put out this book in podcast format. Thank you for joining us, and please check out our other chapters.